everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of the Airport Wild podcast. Great show for you today. We have Kathy Benedict, who's the owner and operator of Goose Rangers and Goose Dogs for Sale. We're going to talk about techniques and tips and tricks on how to train your dog to haze geese, as well as some other topics um, that I think you're really going to enjoy. Remember, like us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast, and thanks for listening. and welcome to the Airport Wild Podcast presented to you by Lou Makers Wildlife Management. I'm your host, Brett Jacobson. Uh, today is February 11th. It is Valentine's Day week and we have a sweet show for you today. Uh, we have Kathy Benedict, uh, the owner and operator of Goose Rangers and Goose Dogs for Sale. How are you doing today, Kathy? I'm good, thank you. Good, good, good. So, Kathy, you're coming to us from Virginia, correct? Right, Leesburg, Virginia, huh? All right. So we're just going to jump into it real quick because we've got a lot to cover. Um, just give us a little brief, uh, brief detail about who you are, what your background is, and then um, we'll, uh, we'll start asking some serious questions about some uh, non-lethal tactics that you use. And uh, we'll get into, obviously, the, uh, the dogs that you, uh, that you train. Okay, I'll give you a little bit of background about myself. Um, at one time in my life, I was married, and the man I was married to, his brother uh, bought a Border Collie mix puppy for their dad. And um, the dog tore into everything, chased deer, it knocked over trash cans. We had 20 acres, but it was very destructive. Um, so it became my job to find the job for that puppy to do as it grew older um, so that it wouldn't be destructive and tear things up. And um, I was at a Frisbee dog competition in Pennsylvania and I was talking to one of the competitors there that had a young dog that said he was training his puppy for Canada Goose Control. And I um, wow. swear to God that Monday I went home um, with another guy from the Frisbee Dog Club and we started our own business and it just kind of took off from there just kind of not knowing what we were doing at first and learning as we went along. What year was that? That was in, let me think for a minute, 1998 I believe. Okay so you're so um so you obviously uh, I love hearing the stories of like small businesses and how they're formed and how they start and kind of success. Take me back to those early years. What were some of the struggles that you had? Oh my gosh. We, um, <laughs> I didn't even know that we needed commercial insurance. I had no idea what those two <laughs> words meant. I mean, I probably went for close to a year before um, somebody said you need commercial insurance. Yeah, what could, what could go wrong? You know, uh, a, yeah, a, a wild border <laughs> right? collie, a bunch of geese, yeah, <laughs> homeowners associations, I'm sorry. I was clueless, clueless. Um, and then I didn't know how to price anything out. So I would, I would ask the customers. I'd ask them to help me out on pricing things. It was just, you know, I, I made everything from scratch back then. And sometimes our dogs weren't even that successful at chasing the geese and they would just... Uh, at a golf course, the dog would take off after deer and bark, and she'd be gone for an hour. And I couldn't yell at her because the golfers were golfing, so I had to just wait for her to come back. So there was a lot of uh, learning curves back in the early days. Nice. Well, um, do you remember uh, like your first like success story where you're just like, oh man, all right, kind of got it figured out a little bit here. Wow. Our first real success story was probably Lansdowne Resort in, in Leesburg, Virginia, where we, uh, we actually went out there and the GM was out there and there was a whole board of directors and they had a camera out there and they wanted to take pictures of the dog chasing the geese. Uh, and we, we did a really good interview for those people. Um, 
and they that went ahead and went to their newsletter so that was really good pr for us and then from then i believe the next contract we had was in springfield green green spring retirement community was a big pr blitz for us and then ashburn village in ashburn virginia when they they're huge now but when they were first starting out um it was a bunch of farm farmland and fields and there weren't a ton of houses like there are now so we got our start there just with you know, newly seeded grass and no no people around so that was we've come a long way okay so now you know checking into your website for for goose rangers um now obviously you have the two companies right so we'll focus on goose rangers first right um now where do you um like where do you kind of focus on um like what's your target market and what are you looking for like what makes a really good potential client for you a good potential client for us, people always think it's golf courses and it's not because they're time consuming. You know, you have to wait for the golfer to tee off. Um, the perfect site for me would be like an office park, like a corporate property that might have um, a ball field and a pond on it um, that we can just get in and out of. We can get in and out usually within like five or 10 minutes. Okay. Um, do you ever... Uh... Do you ever focus on uh, like airports? Would that be an ideal client for you? Or, uh... We don't focus on uh, airports because uh, they want more education and more, yeah. uh, and I don't have that background and I'm not real motivated to go get that background. And um, I would rather leave chasing them after the airports to the ex to the real experts. <laughs> um, I don't mind not doing the airports. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now obviously hazing goose hazing is becoming extremely popular, you know, um, you know, back in the, in the older days, I guess you could say, or, you know, the, the beginning of, uh, wildlife management. Right. Yeah. You know, it was all depredation. Um, what are some of the tactics, obviously, you know, that, that you kind of employ at Goose Rangers, aside from just letting a dog loose? Uh, right. But, uh, yeah. Talk about some of the tactics that you use. Um, we have kayaks that we'll throw in the water. Um, not necessarily put the dog in the kayak, but of course the human will be in the kayak. And we have some other roping techniques where uh, we can stand on the side of the um, side of the pond and use ropes to kind of pay them out across the water to haze the geese to try to work in tandem with say the dogs across the pond from us uh, with the roping technique or with a kayak uh, we've done that um, we used to use something called bird bangers which sound just like um party crackers oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and that uh, mm, i use those in the really early 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 days um <laughs> because it was bad PR since 9-11, obviously, uh, yeah. and the dogs don't like the loud noise. So we, we tend to stay away from the loud noises. We, we like to focus mostly on the dog, using the dog's wolf-like glance, the body language, the stalk, so that the geese will count it as a predator and stay away longer. That's what we try to focus on. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, it's funny. So, uh, you know, my, my background is obviously sales and marketing, right? right. So, um, you know, I would always sit down with a potential customer or a potential client and you know, their story was always unique to them. Right. What are some of the common stories or common issues that you see um, where your dogs are definitely needed? Where they're needed, completely yeah. needed? Yep. Wow. I'd say just about any of the ones we have right now, this is the nesting season right now, February, sure. March. Um, so we have a homeowners association right now that i mean people walk their dogs around that pond all day long and the geese don't take a look at them at all and then we show up and pull up and get the dog out and the dog handler and all of a sudden the body language of the dog changes and the body language of the geese change so they fly off even though it's not just a, a normal dog like the other 20 that are around there walking around the pond um that's something where those people just can't seem to get rid of the, the geese with, you know, it, you're not gonna be able to do it with just a normal pet. So mm -hmm. um, geese go to the bathroom every eight minutes. 
So that's another, uh, and they're attracted to the grass that a lot of these landscapers like to put down nice grass. So um, our job mostly is in the mornings and then the afternoons is when sunrise and sunset is when the geese are most active at feeding mm -hmm. time. Now, do you, do you find it more beneficial to um, use multiple tactics um, or do you think that maybe, you know, the hazing with the dogs is probably the best way or best non-lethal way? Because I know, you know, um, in wildlife management, non-lethal ways, there's the lasers, there's the right. effigies, um, you know, there's the, the, the screens and the, and, the, and the lines over the pond, stuff like that. Right. What's your experience with all of that? Um, I love the laser lights. I will use those in the dark. Um, the geese see infrared is what my understanding of it is. So they see this huge wall of red coming towards them as if I'm using a spotlight on them or a laser light. I usually use a green laser pointer on them, which costs 20 bucks at the store. Um, I don't like the grids and the ropes that people will uh, place over the ponds because it'll make for hazardous conditions for birds landing. Um, you know, like other, other birds of um, ducks or other types of geese landing could get tangled up in those grids. So I tend to not like those at all. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'm sure you got a pretty good endorsement because, you know, obviously it's a non-lethal tactic from uh, right. like the Humane Society and um, mm -hmm. um, probably the U.S. Fish and Wildlife, correct? Sure. Um, the two that stand out for me are um, PETA, People for Ethical Treatment of uh, Animals, and Humane Society of the United States. They um, endorse our, our methods, the methods that we use. They recommend them. So... <laughs> Okay, um, so kind of just uh, catching up to speed here on kind of the transformation of your company. Um, obviously, um, you know, you get that first border collie, you get this idea at a frisbee, <laughs> at a frisbee park, basically. Um, how much research did you do, not only into types of dogs, the market, and maybe, I mean, did you do a lot of research on, on, on geese in general? Um, I did. The The internet was a pretty new thing to me uh, right about then. So I yeah, did. Right when Al Gore invented it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I had a full-time job. I was a property manager for a uh, cattle and sheep farm in Middleburg, Virginia. So I would get up before, before work and load my dog up and go down to Lansdowne Resort or wherever else that we were starting a new site and uh, start the day off and be back by seven o'clock in the morning at my desk job so that I could be back and do, do the farm job for those people. Um, but I did an incredible amount of um, research. I mean, it was just never ending, yeah. never ending research. Yeah, what was, uh, what were, I mean, obviously you talked about the, uh, about how like geese poop every eight minutes. What are some other, uh, some facts that you come to mind? that pertain to uh, what you do? Uh, let's see, they, um, if they're getting ready to lay a, an egg or a nest, they'll lay one egg every day to every other day. Um, and they, don't, they won't lay on the whole entire nest until the whole clutch is laid. So for us in our first year, it was like playing hide and seek trying to find a nest because they will camouflage them and, you know, lay one egg and then they'll go float in the water for the rest of the day and, and, and nobody's the wiser. So our um, first year was a huge learning curve where we, we got caught up short with a lot of nests at the last minute that we took care of them, but it was just, you know, it was a lot of searching and searching and searching and searching. All right, let's talk golf courses because I'm a big golfer, um, <laughs> and I've seen I've seen dogs work out on 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 uh, retention ponds and lakes on golf courses. Uh, any good stories uh, <laughs> with the dogs messing with golfers or golfers getting angry? Uh, I don't have any good stories like that. No. <laughs> no. We were uh, so I was actually uh, I was a member of a country club uh, a while back, and we had a big goose population problem. And uh, there was a miscommunication with the maintenance 
you know, supervisor and the dogs that they were letting loose because there was a a ginormous tournament going on. And so um, they had a younger dog um, chasing, you know, chasing these geese that were landing from pond to pond to pond. And, you know, you could see on my level. So this dog is just flying through the fairways and in between golfers. And man, did I. Did, did, uh, was that a loud moment out there? No and, uh, that dog got cursed at and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> not by me, not by me. I, I found it entertaining, but. Oh my yeah. gosh. All right. So, um, <clears throat> let's talk, let's shift gears here. Obviously, um, so Goose Dogs for Sale, um, okay. that's, you, that's your other company, right? Where, you know, obviously yeah. Goose Ranger. You know, you're looking for clients that are that want to use your dogs for specific jobs, and then Goose Dogs for Sale um, is more geared towards actually selling the dog. Correct. Correct. I got into that by accident because I worked for a nationwide company, uh, Goose Control, and their people started coming to me, and um, it created a niche market for me. So I started this company called Goose Dogs for Sale, which is yeah, is for the end user usually. It can be anyone from an airport to a golf course to, you know, uh, I'm selling one to a cemetery next weekend in Pennsylvania. So they come in all shapes and sizes. Okay. So let's talk about that here. So, um, you know, where do you kind of separate the line? You know, because obviously I'm sure you get attached to these dogs, right? Not me. Um, no? <laughs> I, I know that they're all going to a good home, so okay. I, don't, I don't get myself attached. People ask me that all the time, and I just, I don't. I mean, I've cried before when I sold dogs, but I, I always know that they're going to such a good home that it's mm-hmm. okay. okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. No, I know when we talked uh, last week, uh, when we were prepping for this, um, you know, you had, you had mentioned that... Um, you uh it's a quite a walk me through the process because i was kind of blown away by that because you know obviously when i'm thinking like oh i'm gonna go buy a dog right you know i look at the paper i look on facebook marketplace and i see oh and there's a chocolate lab oh yep they'll be ready next week and i go get it uh walk me through your process because it's quite a bit different right than like a normal puppy mill or you know yeah it's a little different um i usually most of the time I will start out with, say if you call me and you're looking for a goose dog, um, I'll find out what your living situation is, how the dog is gonna be kenneled. Is it gonna live in the house? Is it gonna live in a crate? Is it gonna sleep in your bed? And then I will go out and actually um, look for that particular dog that is gonna be a good fit for your company. And then the next question is, or is it going to have to be the face of the public? Like if it's a golf course dog, it's probably going to be riding around on a golf cart saying hi to all the people that are, you know, members of the club. So um, a lot of these dogs have to be pretty social. And then, and then a lot of them don't have to be, you know, then I sell some to go to um, airports where they don't have to be friendly at all, except to their handler. So it, it all depends on what that niche is, you know? Mm-hmm. so obviously it's valentine's day week you're kind of like a matchmaker <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a matchmaker yeah um that's pretty crazy though because um now how like okay so let's say i come to you and i you know you interview me you get my you know i pass your credit score and your background right. check and right. i give you a sample of my blood uh <laughs> no, just kidding. uh and you know you get a feel for what i'm doing you know at a, at a specific airport right. now do i have any say in what dog you bring to me or is that just your you profession okay you do i have a guy right now he is from new jersey and he wants a female dog so uh i'm gonna go pick up a female dog from for him in about two or three more months and then he'll get to i'll give him some information on her and then i'll give him a little bit more information and he can decide if he likes her or not so you do get a final say i just try to get the best fit between the dog and the person okay now have uh have you, how often do you get it right opposed to how often do you get it wrong? Do you have any like, you know, oh man, this just didn't work out? I've gotten it wrong one time. Nice. One time and that was three times one time, meaning that it was the same golf course and it was this different dog kept getting swapped out three times. And I wasn't even, I was in Africa. I had my employees had to take care of it because I wasn't here, but I really truly believe that it was the 
the handler. I believe that there was something wrong with that handler. Either he was physically ill and the dog sensed it, hmm. or, he just, or he just wasn't good with, with animals and he wasn't a good fit to have a dog. Okay. So all three of those dogs came back to me and um, I've never had that happen ever since then. So let's say, you know, so how do you find these dogs? Um, is there, a, I mean, obviously, you know, um, I know border collies, is that your, your breed, your preference of yeah, breed? Yeah, bred border collies, yes. Okay, and why, why, why are they so good? Because they only need, they only need to have the feeling of accomplishment. Like they're gonna go and they're gonna chase the geese and bring them back to you. And that's all they need in order to feel fulfilled. They don't need a ball, they don't need a stick. They just need to work. Mm -hmm. So, and they have a wolf-like glance, which is that stalk that we talk about. That, that stalk, yeah. stalk, And that's the only breed that I have found that has had that, mm -hmm. that will actually go into full prey mode and scare the heck out of the geese. So I, I love them and they're easy to train. They're the world's easiest dog to train, smartest dog in the whole world. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a little bit of experience with uh, like um, Australian Shepherds and oh, Australian, great dogs. yeah, uh, the Blue Heelers. Yeah. Uh, man, you want to talk about a very intelligent breed of dog. Sure. Um, yeah. Now, you said you had worked on a ranch. Um, what, uh, did you have any dogs on that ranch? I did. Um, this was before uh, the goose business was yep. born, but it was a cattle and a sheep farm. And I usually did not work the cows because they they could hurt a dog, but I did, sure. work, I did work the sheep and, uh, and that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know, I mean, I've heard stories of like Australian shepherds and stuff like that, being able to open and shut gates. Oh and, yeah. They're yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Really I, yeah. So my, my, uh, my experience with how intelligent these dogs were. So my uncle growing up had one uh -huh. and uh, his name was Max and, um, he would go open the fridge, grab a beer, grab his beer bowl, <laughs> and open the can, and oh yeah, and get him help himself to a beer. Um, awesome. Yeah, it was awesome, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we were out camping one year, and uh, Max definitely, uh, definitely was a little intoxicated, and in on the ride <laughs> back on the golf cart, um, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty comical, but That's uh, great. Yeah, so um, so border college, right? Yeah, you know, like any good employee, right, or any employee. Period. You know, it's nice to hear good job and things like that, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that keeps them coming back for more. So, all right, from start to finish, you interview, um, you know, a, a buyer, um, right. and then you start trying to find that match. Um, now, are these puppies that you, you go no, get? No, they're usually, they... they're not going to be puppies because they have to have the world experience under their belt. They have to have the social skills and learning how to be around people. So usually they're between a year and a half and two years old at the youngest that I'll get them. Okay, okay. And they'll usually will, they won't have any storm sensitivities. Uh, could lightning and thunder, you know, a shot could go off in the air and they wouldn't respond at all. Like they're going to be totally bomb proof is what I'm looking for. Yeah. So now do you canvas like the entire country? Um, where um, you... I, have, I have contacts that um, breed and um, breed border collies for this purpose. And so I'll check in with them. I have about four or five of them and then usually one of them will have a dog at any given time that I can try out mm -hmm. yeah now is it is it kind of like so um you know I'm a big outdoorsman and I've okay. I, I, you know I have you know I've had labs and, and beagles and stuff that were geared towards hunting right um you know so obviously when you hear goose dog you know my mind immediately jumps to you know a nice English style yellow lab or chocolate right. black lab, right? Um, why do you, why do they not make good goose dogs for for goose hazing? Um, well, the 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 main reason is because uh, geese are federally protected, and uh, those type of hunting dogs are mouthy, and they like to grab, and they like to. That's how they carry their prey. Sure. Right, and so. Sure unless you had a permit to do that, if you came out onto an office park and did that, somebody would probably call the police on me and I'd get in trouble. Yeah, 
Okay. So these dogs have to know, like if I tell them to lie down and there's a gosling or an injured goose right next to them, they have to be able to drop right then yep. and there and, and not touch the bird. Yeah. So, um, which uh, I'm glad you, you said that because, you know, it, it, there, there definitely has to be, you know, do, do you focus on the bloodline of your collies? Kind of like, you know, the bloodline of a retriever is to make, you know, to obviously be, um, you know, a a duck and goose retriever. Um, right. Now I know you, you've obviously been doing this for a while. Um, do you kind of follow the bloodline and the litters and keep an eye out for, you know, some of your more experienced dogs that you have in the field that are just, you know, killing it? You know what? I, I don't. I go for different types. I go for okay. so many different choices out there and I have such good experience with it and success that um, I just kind of keep it kind of keep them juggling in the air the ones that i that i try out and i uh, the breeders there's usually a handful of breeders that i'll go to mm -hmm. okay so um let's talk training okay? okay um obviously you know you're not just finding a dog and then you know mailing it out and right good luck so walk me through the, the whole training process you know i know um, my experience, you know, uh, with, 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 with labs, it was always good or even beagles to take that young dog with an older experienced dog. Um, so I'm not sure if that applies to what you do, but yeah, just, uh, touch up on the, on the training aspect and what you do and some of the methods and. and, and okay. Well, we do that. Um, I will take like i'm getting ready in, in two weeks to go pick up a uh, young female dog she's about a year and a half old and what i'm planning to do is to bring her back here and pair her up with one of my retired i'm going to take her out of retirement and put her with an old pro and uh, have her train with that uh, she's about 10 years old and that should make her into a really good goose dog if I can pair her up with someone that already has the experience. The other thing I like to do um, before that is there's a farm in Berryville called Keepstone Farm. Susan Rhodes owns it and uh, she allows me to come up there and train any dogs I have on her um, ducks. She has ducks up there and she has sheep and she also has cows, but I don't work the cows. So I like to focus on the ducks when I'm up there and, and do an instinct test because sometimes when I buy the dog, even though uh, it has all these bells and whistles, it's never seen ducks. So I have to make sure that it's going to be able to see a duck without tearing it apart. So uh, there's always a trip up to Berryville to Keepstone Farm uh, to see how they do with the ducks before I take them on a actual live geese and see how that goes. So a lot of that is um, training the dog and working on a lie down and working on um, a slow pace so that even if the dog is right next to the duck, it's not, it's not gonna touch it. It's not gonna try to bite it. There's not gonna be any sort of an instinct to grab it. Um, and once I can get that worked in, then I'll go to some training uh, ponds in Winchester. There's a couple that I'll go to with a dog and we'll, do some training on those to see how they do on live Canada geese. And then once I get that gone, I'll take some videos and then I'll, the prospective buyer that's going to buy this dog, I'll say, okay, here's what we have now. Here's, here's what you have. And then whatever questions they have, I'll take any sort of videos they want. Hmm. Um, do you get any pushback from the buyer on something like they see in the video or is it kind of more of a very, I don't know, not a, I don't want to say transactional process or right. transactional sale. Um, yeah, what, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think as long as the dog does everything that I say it will, will do, which means it has to be able to load up into the back of a crate, usually in the back of a truck and load in, um, and it has to get in the water and swim on command and get out of the water on command, and if there's other uh, people and dogs around a pond that I can show that this dog is going to work without bothering anybody else, mm -hmm. then it's just a matter of me bringing the, the, the buyer to my place and training them on how to work the dog. And I'll do that at the farm in Berryville at Susan's farm. Um, and I'll do it on live geese as well. So we usually spend about a half day where the actual buyer gets 
the lessons on how to how to work the dog. Yeah, I was going to say you probably have to train. You know, like let you know. For example, I would have no idea right. what to do other than right. just take the dog for a walk, see some geese, and go. Um, <laughs> right. What's uh, talk to me a little bit about the training aspect of training the actual new handler? And is there any kind of I don't know. I don't want to uh, maybe push back or maybe you know like a like a um, trying to think of how to phrase this. Is there you know like a I don't know like a, a weird period of time where this dog's used to you now it has to get used to the new handler. Right. I usually tell them to to give it about a week or two. Just be really patient the first week or two and use a long mm -hmm. rope. Um, but that. Um, you know, there are some old Scottish commands that is how I do my training for the directionals of the dog. So if you want the dog to go clockwise around a pond, you're going to say, come by. And if you want it to go counterclockwise, you're going to say, away to me. And if you want the dog to come back to you to call it back, you're going to say, that'll do here. So there's a learning curve for the, for the buyer that has to, and I, I write all this down. I give them a little pamphlet of, um, what their instruction manual will look like and what, what, what it'll sound like. And then what I'll usually do is have them take some videos or I'll take videos with their phone so that they can, you know, research it and review it when they get back home and want to do it without me being there. Sounds very COVID friendly. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Now, when you're doing Scottish commands, do you have to use an accent? You've got a pretty you good- don't. You no? don't, it makes it fun. It, <laughs> uh, I won't ask. I won't ask you to do it right now. But I'm definitely thinking when we get off recording, I'm gonna have yeah. you do it. But um, so, okay, talk about the Scottish aspect of it. What are some of the other ways of training uh, command training? Um, well, there's some people, and instead of doing the come by and away to me, which are the directionals, which is you really, if you think about your dog at like a remote control boat and you're working it opposite the pond or even into the pond that you're gonna be wanting to microscopically move this dog by mm -hmm. saying, come by our way to me. And you don't wanna look like an idiot. Now there are people out there <laughs> that they, I mean, they will go shoo, 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 shoo. And that's it. I mean, that's, that's the way that they work their dog. Okay. And, I don't do that because I want it to look impressive, number one. And number two, I don't want every other dog in the area going after whatever that word is that I'm saying. Like gotcha. if I were to shush it, all the dogs would probably go nuts. Yeah, I get you. Um, so you think that that's obviously not just for you, but you know, for, for all goose dogs, you think that's probably the most effective way? I do. I do. I think it's effective. I think it looks good. And I think that the dog knows, I mean, the dog gets raised with those old Scottish commands anyway. So it's good to, to continue to use them instead of using, some people will revert and get lazy and use hand signals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they can do whatever they want. What, it's their dog, but. Yeah, I um, feel really bad because that's how, that's how I, that's how I do it, but. Really? <laughs> with a whistle and some hand movements, but you know, whatever. As long as it works for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So now, is there any kind of like competitions or any like ranking scales or anything like that for for what you do? I know, obviously, you know, there there's dog trials and stuff like that. Right. Uh, yeah. Have you have you gotten into any of that or? Of course, I have. Yeah. When I was like 20 years ago, I was always doing sheepdog trials and, and I get an A for effort, but I'm not very, I'm not very good because what you're teaching the goose dog to do is to cut in, is to cut in and go narrow it through the field. Yeah. So it's kind of hard when you're showing up at a sheepdog competition and trying to get, they judge you on perfect lines and how the dog walks perfectly in line with mm -hmm where the sheep are and where they have to make the turn to the gate. So um, it just kind of got to be not fun for me anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, there are people that do it. I, I'm not one of them anymore. So you don't have fun losing dog competitions? Is that what you're I'm saying? Fun losing dog competitions anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, nope. I'm all set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Um, yeah, so I, I know that is a huge circuit too, by the way. Um, the yeah. whole, yeah, dog competitions. And you know, it's kind of, it, it's, it's, it's weird, you know, um, kind of like 
you know, horse owners, like uh-huh. they're kind of a, you know, they're a breed of people. Right. <laughs> Same thing with the uh, dog competition people. It's true. Yeah. It's, yeah. So <laughs> they've got like their own language and stuff, but. They do. Yes, they do. It is definitely a commitment. Um, okay. So let's talk about what you saw in the industry back in the, the early days when you first started out with um, obviously both goose rangers and goose dogs for sale. Um, you know, a huge part of, of, you know, what we see in the industry for wildlife management is, you know, we're always looking at the population, uh, especially with, you know, with airports, the population of, of, the, of geese and waterfall. Right. Um, and last week, I actually had a really great, great guest on, uh, a, a professor from Cornell by the name of Paul Curtis. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about the population, the, you know, long-term population change. And what he, he brought up was a lot of the migratory birds, migratory geese, they're not migrating. They're just becoming residential geese. That's what I um, heard. Yeah. yeah. Is that something that you've seen an increase of in your, your, your business um, and how that, that's probably affected your business? Uh, yeah, we have. We've seen quite a bit of that. Um, just that they're not migrating anymore. And so, you know, at one time, once upon a time, you wouldn't see a goose with a, with a a nest or an egg till March or April. And now you can see them in February. Yeah. Um, And and we were getting really busy in February that used to be that way. Um, And I believe, I, I'm not real sure why, but correct me if I'm wrong. Is it because there's so many man-made areas right now that the geese are attracted to yeah um i blog about this quite a bit um the the connection between land development Mm -hmm. and you know more wildlife um damage risk uh they have to have somewhere to go um so yeah when you start seeing all these housing tracks being built and all these um commercial properties uh being being built they have to build stormwater retention ponds they have to build you know you know they have to comply with certain environmental you know things um so they're the habitat for species like deer are going down because deer need cover they just you know they need cover and you know they, they need to you know they, they need food, water, all that stuff, like anything else. But a goose, you know, just needs a pond. Um, and yeah, it, it's definitely the, the correlation between the two. There's certain species that are thriving in the Canada, Canada goose population. For the residential side, it's thriving, but the migratory numbers are down. Down, um, yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, we got into a, quite a bit of a conversation about that last week, but I'm sure for your business, you're probably enjoying that a little bit. Yeah, it's good for us. I mean, we I don't <laughs> mind it. It's good for business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from start to finish when you're training um, your, your dogs before you, um, you know, let's say somebody contacts you to the point where that hand, the new handler comes down and you train them. What's usually the, the, the uh, timeline between the two? Uh, I'd say anywhere from two to four months is about mm-hmm. right. Okay. Four probably being more so. Yeah, yeah, I've got some orders right now I'm taking. I'm, I think I mentioned that I'm getting ready to take a trip to pick up some dogs and Mm-hmm. start the ball rolling on that with these people that are interested in getting them how many dogs do you usually train at one time i try not to have any more than four dogs at once what do you see if you have more than four um I, it's hard for me to take all of them in the truck with me to train them at the farm if i have mm-hmm. four or less even less is good like three is good i can pile them all in my pickup truck and in the mm-hmm. crates and take them to the training farm um, it just gets to be kind of, I, I do everything with these dogs. Not only do I take them training at the farm, but um, I'll take them places and go hiking at parks nearby mm-hmm. so that they get socialized and learn. And it's easier if I can do it as one big group. And I can't do that if I have like six, it's just too many. Yeah, you're not a dog walker. Right. <laughs> exactly. um, 
is that something you encourage the new handlers to do as well as to keep keep up your schedule basically uh from what you're doing with the dogs before they leave i just try to have them have enrichment for the dog whether okay. i mean it doesn't always have to be running around and doing things outside it just has to be whether it's chewing on a bully stick or sitting in the office with the owner it doesn't matter as long as they get some quality time nice nice yeah so let's talk about your industry as a whole right okay. what are some of the trends that you're seeing in your industry because i'm sure you know 20 years ago 20 30 years ago um this probably wasn't on anybody's radar right nope, it wasn't okay what uh what have you seen over the years of why it's gotten popular wow uh is that the question of the day it's probably the question of the day let me think about this for a minute yeah because like for example in like the wildlife management industry with right. with with you know airports for example right yeah. we talked about land development and you know it's one of those things where an airport for example it's pretty much a buffet for multiple different species which yeah become a hazard to the planes. And, um, you know, so through science and through biology, um, the wildlife management, specifically with airports, um, got more popular as obviously more flights were taking off, uh, more species were becoming invasive into airfields. Where it was kind of, I don't know, it was, it was kind of a mix between timing research and hey we can make a huge impact here um i'm sure that's probably the same for for uh for your industry correct yes yeah um so do you is there is there quite a bit of competition um in your industry or are you kind of the only name in in, in the in the in the industry uh it depends on which company you're talking about if you're talking about uh, goose dogs for sale. I'm in pretty much a, a niche market. Good. Um, and I'm trying to make a good name for myself there because I love what I do. Uh, goose rangers, the service end where we go around and do office parks and golf courses. There's more competition there. Um, mm -hmm. But everybody does it differently. Like the people that are competing against me will only go and hit everything once a day. Whereas I might go three times a day, depending on like this time of year, it's nesting mm -hmm. season. I might stay out and work each site. I might hit it three times each time. So it's just, it, it depends on the quality that you get, depending on who you hire. Mm -hmm. Now, um, other, other companies, your competitors, do they use border collies too? Or yes. is that just something? Okay. So that's yeah, like an industry specific thing, right? It is. In this area, it's an industry standard. There's a company out in Seattle that uses Australian Shepherds, as a matter of fact. Ooh, there we go. But not around here. Around here, it's all Border Collies. Mm -hmm. So um, biologist um, that works for, for Lumakers Wildlife Management, uh, her name's Brooke Morgan, and uh, she has a great story. Um, so she does quite a bit of do uh, uh, hazing for one of our clients out in uh, Nebraska and uh, yeah, she was in Idaho and um, this golden retriever was, there's two of them were just, you know, walking down the middle of a dirt road at night. Cause I guess that was the popular thing to do when you were trying to get rid of dogs right. just drop them in the middle of nowhere oh my gosh. Uh, in Idaho. So she brought this dog in as a rescue dog and that's her coworker. Um, every day they walk the fence line at the, at the airfield that they work at in Nebraska. Um, and you know, I have plenty of videos of, of, uh, her name's Grace, of Grace, uh, hazing, hazing geese. And oh, uh, I love it. yeah, she's a, she's quite the superstar. Um, that's a great story. Yeah. So, um, have you seen any or heard stories like that where, you know, maybe there's an, I don't know, I don't want to say second place breed or third place breed of dogs that might be adequate enough to get the job done? You know what? Not in this area. I have not seen that at all. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I haven't. But I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, as long as your dog didn't have the ability to touch the bird. Sure. Like that dog sounds like it's a good dog. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. would probably do a great job. Yeah. 
So I'm, yeah. I'm surprised nobody's tried it. Nobody's really tried that yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you could be the first. <laughs> yeah, I love my border collies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, so goose dogs for sale, right? Right. How do you, are you just solely, you know, thriving on reputation alone? Um, or um, you get a lot of referrals. How are you doing business, especially um, in today's world where everything's been affected by COVID, obviously? Yeah, so. no kidding. Oh my gosh. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I uh, hired a webmaster to tweak my goose dog for sale site for meta tags and whatever else that is that I'm not really sure how to talk about it, but it makes it so that your presence on the web is there. Sure. And so that was a couple of years ago and um, I, I quit doing it like about, yeah, like a year ago. And I just have this presence. People Google goose dogs for sale and I guess it comes up with my website. And then I also have word of mouth from people that um, recommend to mm -hmm. other people. So, yeah. but a lot of mine is web presence. They can find me if they do a search. Mm -hmm. um, and what's probably, what's like your reach? What's, um, what's the furthest? Oh my gosh. I've gotten, I've gotten all the way out to Oregon, which mm -hmm. I don't want to sell that far away. I have someone that's on the West coast that I refer to, but I thought that was pretty neat that I could um, reach that far to yeah. California and to Calgary, Canada. I'm like, wow. But see, part of my thing is I don't want to fly the dog. I want to drive it, mm -hmm. I want to drive it and deliver it and train it and have part of the training be part of the package. So you want to spend three days in the car driving to Oregon? Yeah. <laughs> but I thought yeah. that was pretty neat. Yeah. So here's a little background. So, um, you know, a uh, long time ago, I started my own company um, doing, you know, marketing and sales training. Right. And, um, the first the first web submission that we got was a company in um in oregon uh just north of portland and we, you know it was one of our first clients and it was like within a matter of like three weeks of being open uh i was like whoa we're coast to coast now wow <laughs> it was uh so i remember that feeling of just being like oh, man somebody in oregon found me and wants right. you know wants our service like love it they know we've only been open for three weeks but That's whatever nice. we're gonna go with it yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah let's talk about that horrible horrible conversation of COVID 19. how has your business been affected and how have you uh maybe i don't know adapted to uh this new way of of the world yeah the the goose ranger side i've lost one pretty significant contract on the service end um and i'm trying to just scramble and make more sales on the goose dogs for sales end of it which mm -hmm. like i'm doing that i'm getting a long list of people that uh, are wanting dogs so i think it's going to even out but boy this this COVID has, it's just, it's knocked everybody for a loop and there's no real getting out of it as far as I can tell. Yeah. What I've seen, um, specifically the business world, um, now obviously a lot of my, you know, my network, my professional network, um, were former coworkers in the sales side of things. Right. And now all these office parks, uh, specifically up here in Western New York, right nobody's in them right exactly so they don't care if the parking lot is covered in goose crap right yeah <laughs> so is that the same thing down in virginia right now where all these larger companies um might be just transforming into a working from home environment i've only had one major client that i've lost and it was because of the downtrend in people being in the, mm -hmm. in those buildings and it was a, a service industry, a yep. hospitality industry. I don't know that they'll ever get that back. I don't know. So mm -hmm. um, thank God I'm not seeing it as a trend. I just saw one of my clients uh, did the downturn. Um, I don't know. It's too soon for me to tell, even though it's been almost a year. It's still too soon for me to tell because I'm waiting on other clients to join back on right now. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm waiting to, to hear if they're going to not sign up or not. So it's still a little but, bit. Yeah. Is your business sometimes um, mainly predicated around like seasonal work? It is. So through the mic. All right. Talk a little so, bit about that. Okay. So usually starting mid-February till about mid-June is when we really power up. It's when the geese will fly back in and start. It, if it gets cold out, geese can't survive on frozen water so they have to keep the, the water open like if it gets frigid temperatures like sub-zero the geese will land on a pond and and just sit there to keep it melted mm -hmm. um, and if it doesn't do that it'll freeze to death so it's life and death for these birds um we are seeing what was the question i'm sorry i just went blank <laughs> Um, is your yeah seasonal business for you? Oh, the seasonal business. When well, yeah, when's your downtime compared to when are you when are you cranking? This, is, this should be the the busiest time should be right now. Right now through through about June should be really busy, and I'm still waiting to hear back on some of my clients if they're gonna hire us or not. We don't know yet. Um, the really quiet time if you do this right would be uh, June and July because that's molt season. The geese will hook up and they'll mate in February and March and April they'll nest and May they'll hatch out some babies. And then um, June and July, all the adults go through an annual feather molt where they drop their flight pin feathers and uh, you have between six and eight weeks of no fly. So if you do it right, you got a nice quiet season. If, if you haven't signed on by February, you're screwed for the whole year. I mean, mm -hmm. you can have a really bad season, so. yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of people, um, especially with obviously with what's happening with COVID, you know, it's it, it's cash flow and everybody's just in a waiting period for life to get back to somewhat yes. of normality. Um, yeah, you know, where um, you know, you know, specifically with wildlife management, um, which you're an extension of, obviously. Um, yeah, you know. Hey, are we going to spend money on that, or are we going <laughs> to try and yeah. keep the lights on? So yeah, it sucks. Uh, it sucks being in a niche market that's predicated on. Obviously, you got to pay for it. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nice. Um. All right. So before I let you go here, um. Obviously, thanks for coming on. Welcome. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. If if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Um. People can get a hold of you. And yeah, go. www.goosedogsforsale.com uh, or gooserangers.com. You can look me up under Canada Goose Control, Border Collies, Kathy Benedict. You'll find me. I'm out there. Perfect. Yeah. And I've, I've been on your websites, both of them. Great. They're very informative. Um, I urge everybody to go, you know, at least just check you out, follow some of the storylines and stuff like that. Right. Um, uh, yeah, Kathy Benedict, great to have you. I appreciate you being on the show, and we'll definitely do this uh, do this down the road. We'll uh, we'll circle back and check in, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you continue to thrive as a small business. I hope so, and give my best to the two border collies out there in upstate New York. <laughs> you got it. I will. <laughs> All right, Brett. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.